Hello everyone, I'm Shannon Torrance, and welcome to Magic is Real, a podcast focused on proof of afterlife, whose mission is to bring messages of hope and inspiration to others, and to spread the word that death is only an illusion. Our loved ones who cross over are still very much with us, and that we are all connected by and part of one divine universal love. If you enjoy these conversations and want to hear more like them, it would mean the world if you would subscribe, like, comment, submit positive reviews, and share with like-minded friends. Thank you so much for your support and for being a part of the Magic is Real community. I wish you peace, light, and love always. Hi, Magic is Real listeners. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm Shannon Torrance, and I'm here today with Sharon Milliman. Sharon is an ordained minister and a near-death experiencer. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to show up to be here. Um, really excited to meet you. I've heard that you are one of the kindest, sweetest people that one could ever meet. Um, I've heard that I've heard this from other near-death experiencers, so I take this to be fact. Um, so, Sharon, tell us about what it is that you do today in your role as a minister. Um. Mostly my ministry is helping others understand that their death is nothing to be afraid of and that we continue to go on after death and um, the heaven is real and God is real and it's not um, something that people need to be afraid of and that we don't stop being who we are we are, we continue being who we are. After. Well, I really appreciate that because that's actually why I do what I'm doing now is the same reason. I think obviously death is scary. It's the unknown, what happens. And we, all we know is loss and grief when we lose someone. So of course, death has such a negative connotation, but we're here to spread the word that Death is just the beginning of a new life, uh, a different form. Uh, it doesn't mean that people here won't still grieve those we've lost in this, in this, um, on this earth, in this world, but that there's right. so much more. And that's why I appreciate people like you showing up to help spread the message and to be able to do so from a place of experience. So I would love to know about your, your life, where you came from, what your childhood was like, anything you'd like to share about what your life was like pre-near-death experience? I was just, uh, I, I was born in Ohio and um, two wonderful parents and I have two sisters um, and my two brothers passed away. So um, I just lived a very normal, <laughs> a very normal life. Uh, what I thought was normal, um, I was a very, very spiritual child and so I I thought that everybody saw angels I thought that everybody saw you know people who had passed over and things like that and because that was stuff that I saw as a child and um it only got stronger after my near-death experiences when I will ask you about that, because I have found, and I've said this many times as I'm interviewing people, that most of the people that I've interviewed, I would say most who've had near-death experiences, 
this wasn't their first experience with the other side, with connecting with the other side. And it seems to be that a lot of people have near-death experiences as sort of a grand finale to their little hints, God, the universe, spirits, whatever are trying to show you when you're little and they're trying to sort of open up this world to you because you're meant to do something in this life to bring hope to others. And it feels as though, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Can you tell us either one memory or just a, a few memories of when you were young, what did this, what did you see and how did you interpret them? What did these visions or knowing or whatever it was look like to you, feel like to you? And did you know that it was something um, quote unquote metaphysical or did you just accept it as part of your reality? I just accepted it as part of my reality. When I was a really tiny little girl, um, I had night terrors a lot. I was really, really afraid of the dark. And did too. I, did you? <laughs> I think it's kind of normal. I don't. I don't know, but I. I noticed that I've had it, and my children have it off and on, and I think a lot of children do. But. Um, I thought angels lived in my closet because at, when it was dark, they would come out of my closet and it was these little angels looked like children like me. And they would be holding what looked like golden boxes with lights inside or candles with lights. And they would line it up around my room and around my bed and they would sing to me until I went to sleep. And this was like an every night occurrence. So I grew up thinking angels lived in your closet. And that's the first thing. And then the other thing was that I had two brothers who had died. Um, my first one died when I was a year old. And the other one died when I was two years old. And so I had heard my parents talking about my brothers but I had never met them. I was just a baby myself. But as I was, you know, probably four, five, you know, somewhere in there, um, this little boy with blonde hair and blue eyes appeared to me and he was with me every day. And people thought that I had an imaginary friend, but he wasn't imaginary. He was just as solid as you are solid. And he would play with me every day. And he, he was adorable. He has a light blonde hair like I did and blue eyes. And um, so I knew that he was my brother. He was my, my brother, Michael. But I wasn't allowed to call him Michael because my mother had, was really mourning the death of the two boys. And he, he asked me to call him Jonas, which the word Jonas means dove. And he had asked me not to, to call him by his name because he didn't want mom to be sad because she was really very, very um, sad and mourning deeply and he didn't want to hurt her but he would come to me every day and we would play and he was so impish <laughs> we would um steal the flintstone vitamins we stole the brownies off the table and whenever i would get in trouble he would have to get in trouble too 
it was, you know, um, we used to go and swing on the swings real high because I wanted to, you know, have children will swing and they get their feet going up to the sky. I thought, I thought that I could just jump off the swing and I'd be right in heaven, you know, and that's what I wanted. And one day my mom said she actually saw the swing next to me swinging also. And she said that in her mind's eye, she saw my brother on the swing. And so it was, it, it really touched my heart because, you know, he was not an imaginary, mm -hmm. you know, there was no imagination about it. He was real. And um, did you talk to him? Uh, did you talk about him with your mother regularly, not using your brother's name, but did you talk about him with other friends or family members? Oh yeah, my whole family knew they of just, this. They knew him, yeah, but they knew him as my imaginary friend, Jonas. Okay. And it was, you know, I kept thinking, okay, well, if that makes you feel comfortable to call him an imaginary friend, you go right ahead and do that. But that's not, you know, that's not, he's real. He, right. he was real, very real. And Did you keep, continue seeing him? as you grew? I saw him until we moved out. We moved away from Circleville where I lived. Okay. Um, then after that, I didn't see him anymore. And did you have it, other spiritual experiences as you grew up, um, as you were in high school? Um, and, and after that, I did, um, actually when I was 15, um, some things have been happening that shouldn't have was happening to me that shouldn't happen to anybody, any child. And I went to an adult about it and the adults told me, no, it wasn't happening when it really was. And I knew it was. And, but they said it was all in my head. And so I had, I thought I was losing my mind and I had planned to commit suicide and I didn't tell anybody because I thought I was crazy. Well, we, I sang in the church choir and it was a good Friday and we went to a neighboring church to sing. And we were down in the basement of the church and um, we were practicing. And I was kind of sitting in the back away from, I know it was really quiet and I was, you know, withdrawn and I was, sitting towards the back of the of the, uh, the room and there were two women uh, I guess you'd call them chaperones but they there was two women sitting in front of me and then two girls which were daughters of one of the ladies in front and then the and the, the rest of the choir was in front of that and there were a lot, it was a big choir. There were a lot of instruments, a lot of parts, different singing parts. And so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden the energy in the room changed. And it, I looked over and there was this man walking over toward, moving towards me and it was Jesus. And here I am, a 15-year-old girl, and here he, he is, and he's so beautiful, and he 
he, he was dressed normally, just like the rest of everybody. You know, he was not in a gown and he didn't have a halo over his head, but I, I knew who he was. And he sat down next to me and he smiled and he said, where do I go to sit? I couldn't say a word. My mouth was so dry, I, I couldn't speak. So the women that were in front of me, they turned around and they told him directions on how to get to the upper part of the church where we were gonna be singing. And as when they were done talking with him, he looked at me and he said, what is happening to you in your life is happening. You're not crazy. I love you. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Then he gets up. And when he gets up, he puts his finger on the elbow of the woman in front. And she had arthritis so bad in her arm, she couldn't bend her arm. So he touches her elbow and heals it. She was actually healed. And um, the two girls that were sitting in front were her were her daughters and they to this day um well one of them is has passed on but the other one i still talk to her and she still i mean because i ask all the time did this really happen was i just seeing things or what and no she said he's he was there i saw him he, he healed my mother you know and he had Apparently, after we went up in the church and we we sang, and I still remember the song, it was Up to Jerusalem. And as we were singing, uh, I couldn't tell you if there was anybody else in that church or not, because I couldn't, I, I mean, I was just focused totally on him and his beauty and the, the words he had said to me. And when we were singing the song, he actually put his hands down over his face like this. And I don't know if he was crying or praying or, or exactly what, what that meant. Um, but I sang my heart out to him. It was, I, and I saw no one else at all, just him. When he, we were done, he, he got up to leave and he told the lady um, that's still living, I liked your singing. And so he did something for all of us, you know, that day it was, but he allowed those four other women to, to see him too. That's so interesting, but also validating. I think it's, it's great that you had the gift of that because I've talked about this before, how, when I was 13 or 14, a big blue orb appeared in my room that was glowing bright blue. And I know that it happened because, I mean, I remember it so vividly, and yet there are times where I doubt, was that a false memory? You know, as I get older. Okay, our Zoom froze, so we're just resuming where we left off. Um, I was just saying that uh, when I was younger and I saw a big blue orb in my room, I remembered this for years to come. As I get older and older, I sometimes wonder, did I make that up? I know I didn't dream it. It was so vivid. It was so real. It was so 3D. It was not a dream. But there are times where I think, well, there was no witness to it. Maybe there's, so it's really great that you had that validation of other people being able to validate that that had happened. So yes. after this happened, um, let's cut to your near-death experience. Tell me what your life was like when this happened. Set it, set it up, if you would, um, by telling us 
what was happening in your life at the time, and then you can share what did happen to you. Okay. Well, I've had four near-death experiences. First one happened at the age of 13. Um, so I was just a normal kid. Uh, um, you know, just, I mean, really normal. <laughs> that was because I was 13. So it was before the Jesus incident. So it was just, I was taking swimming lessons. Yeah. And that's what happened. Um, my instructor uh, said he wanted me to dive in the 10 foot section of the pool head first. And I could not do that. Right. I mean, that was just too scary for me. Um, I watched all the other kids do it and I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I froze. And he said, well, you're going to do this dive or I'm going to throw you in. And he threw me in and I sunk to the bottom. <laughs> I fought for, you know, a little bit. And then I just, that was it. I was on the bottom of the 10 foot section of the pool. And, um, I could hear, it seemed really strange to me. One, number one, I wasn't cold. And I thought people who drowned and were under the water would be cold. And I wasn't cold. I was very warm and cozy, felt like I was wrapped in a blanket. And I'm laying on the bottom of the pool and I can hear people screaming all over the place. And, um, my mother was on the other side of the pool where the adults were sitting and they sat up in a balcony above the pool. And I could see her face as if it was right in front of me. And she had this look of uh, fear and horror on her face. I could see her, uh, she was screaming and there was a lady in the three foot section of the pool with the little children. And I heard her scream, Bob, go in and get her. And so then my focus shifts and I'm, again, I'm still under 10 feet of water. And I could see the face of the man who threw me in and he was frozen, just literally frozen. He couldn't move, he couldn't, he did nothing. He just, you know, he had no, no expression, nothing, just frozen. And I heard children screaming and people, it was like they were all running. And then I heard what sounded like a metal door. Well, there was a light, this beautiful light. And first it looked like a light bulb. And I thought to myself, what is a light bulb doing in a pool that seems dangerous? But this light was, it was, um, it was soft. It was white, it was bright, but it was very soft. It didn't hurt my eyes. And it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I don't know if I was going up to it or it was coming down to me, but it was, oh, I don't know, probably like this close from touching me. It was like right there. And then I heard what sounded like a metal door slam and it echoed and then the light was gone. And I remember I'm coughing and I, my chest is hurting. I'm throwing up and, 
And what had happened was there was a lifeguard in the midsection of the pool with, you know, older children. And he had jumped in and was pulling me out and doing CPR and trying to get me to breathe. And I remember being, you know, him, when he did that, I was throwing up a lot of water and it was very painful. And then he put me on the side of the pool and continued to work on me. And then I, all these people gathered around me and all I could see were people's ankles and legs every, you know, and then, then I could see my mother, she, she knelt down and I could see her face. And, um, that's, that was it. Um, right. and so I, I took, we never talked about any of it afterwards. My mother must've been, you know, so terrified and I had no idea what had happened. Right. I didn't know what that light was. I didn't know that feeling of comfort and peace and, and rest. And there was no pain and nothing. There was, it was just a blissful feeling and the love that was coming through that light. I, I didn't know what that was. Right. I had no idea. Yeah, and, and it must've been so terrifying for her having lost two children already. I'm yes. sure you didn't want to, you didn't talk about it because it was probably too close for, too close for comfort with her. But it right. does sound like an introduction as we've talked about how you had these spiritual experiences and then you were shown, but you still didn't have the life wisdom to quite know what was happening. Right. So let's go to the second time. How old were you? Um, the second near-death experience, I was 43. So there much, much time had gone in, you know, through there. And um, again, I was just living a normal life. <laughs> you know? um, I had teenagers. Well, they were actually not teenagers. They were young adults by this time and had their own homes and whatever. So, but they I remember they were visiting at the time, um, but um, I, my life was just the kind where I was, I tried to be super mom, you know, and I tried to take care of my children and my grandchildren and just, you know, that was my life. Um, I, ha I had been working, I uh, was in banking for 15 years and so, um, you know, I was busy and I wasn't really into the, I wasn't connecting spiritually, you know, wasn't seeing things anymore because I was so busy living my life. So I kind of shut that door with the day that I had my other, my next near death experience. Um, it was, um, in 2005 and, um, it was raining and I was talking on a cordless phone and I was sitting on the back steps, concrete steps behind our house. And there was like a roof, a part of the roof that came over the stairs. So I thought I'd be okay. Um, and I heard this, uh, it was like a rumble, a rumbling sound in the distance. And then I heard a loud crack and all of a sudden I felt this, the lightning bolt had come out of the sky and it hit my right arm and it went through my body and then it traveled underneath the house and there was a transformer in front of the house and it just blew that to pieces and uh 
so <laughs> when that lightning hit my hit my arm I felt this searing burning um I don't know how to describe it other than it just like felt like fire a burning sensation and it went it because it hit my arm and then it went into my chest so I felt it going across my chest and then the next thing I know my spirit just pops up out of my body it, you know comes out it's kind of like peeling a banana and there it is and then at that time I had no idea I was dead I did not know I mean I realized that something had happened but I did I was I didn't know I was dead and so I'm walking up the stairs and into my kitchen through the back door and into the kitchen and I'm standing there and I'm looking around and everything has this burnt gold look to it and I look at my lace curtains that was above my uh, kitchen sink and I noticed that those were not my curtains and so I'm 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 just looking around and I'm thinking what's going on here? So I walk from the kitchen into the dining room and I notice that the furniture in my dining room is not my stuff. And I said, I really, I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. It was like, this is my house. I can get around in my house, but nothing in this house is mine. So what's going on here? So I walk from the dining room into the living room and that furniture was not my stuff. And then I hear this old time radio show playing that sounded like something from, you know, the Waltons, back in the Waltons. And I'm thinking, I don't have a, I don't have a radio. Like, there's no radios in this. Where is that sound coming from? What is that noise that I'm hearing? And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what was going on. I just, I, I didn't know where my family was. I didn't know where my furniture was. And it was just, it was a very strange um, feeling. And, and I started to panic. And just as I started to panic, there was this huge formless loving presence that appeared. And it was like, he just wrapped me up, you know, just was holding me and I wasn't afraid anymore. I just instantly, I felt this love that's huge, huge, huge love. And it just filled me completely. And I wasn't afraid. There was no pain. Um, and I just felt so comforted and loved. And then what appeared next was these beautiful pink and gold clouds. And this presence and I seemed to be moving. We did not go up, we didn't go down, we went sideways and we were moving through these pink and gold clouds very fast. And, and then we ended up in this beautiful garden at the end of the clouds it was this magnificent, I, it was the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. Um, if you take a spring day and uh, the most perfect spring day and you multiply it by 10 bazillion, if that's even a number, that is what it was. It was the, the blue sky, the, the, the you know, cool grass, this, this magnificent breeze, the air was sweet. Um, there were 
flowers with colors. I, I couldn't even tell you what the, I, I mean, there's no word to describe or to, or to give a name for the colors. They were just like the pinks were pinker, the reds were redder. And um, two men, just as we got there and I was looking at all this, you know, there were two men that stepped forward and greeted me. And at first I thought they were angels. And then it hit me. Oh my gosh, they smiled. And that's when it hit me. Oh my gosh, I know who you are. And it was my two brothers who had died as babies. And these men, they looked to be about um, late 20s, could be early 30s, somewhere in there. And they had um, long, curly, blonde hair, darker than mine, but with this color running through their, their hair. And they were glowy, you know, they were just illuminated. They were so beautiful. And they were wearing these um, ivory linen, um, like clothing. And they actually looked exactly like my, when they smiled, they looked exactly like my dad when my dad was a young man. And so I knew who they were and we just had a wonderful family reunion. It was just amazing. And I kept telling them, oh my gosh, you look just like dad and dad would be so proud of you. Oh my gosh, you know, it was so wonderful. And um, they, I had one on one side of me, Stephen was on one side, Michael was on the other. And that loving presence moved from beside me to behind me. So we're all standing there in this gorgeous, beautiful garden. And then a whole bunch of other people came around and they were dressed and, I, and nobody was over the age of probably 30, 32 or 33. And, but they were wearing clothes from different time periods. And um, some of the women had the beautiful gowns and some of the men had the fancy suits. And then there were other people dressed in what looked like lounge clothes or beach, you know, beach dresses or whatever, um, modern clothes. It just, but they were, everybody, um, I don't know if they were, you know, relatives that I didn't know, but I felt like I knew them and they knew me, but I didn't know where I knew them from. And they were, they gathered around and there was just, everybody was just exuding this love. You know, it was, I was just being loved and accepted like I'd never felt before. And then it was, there was, it was like watching an old fashioned screen black and white movie on an old-fashioned movie reel and the screen was there and I it was time for my life review and so I'm standing there with all these people and all this love and this huge loving presence and I just couldn't get over the love and the acceptance because I'd never felt like that in my life and so then it was it was like there was this black and white movie on, on the screen. And it was like from the time I was born until that day when I died, when I was hit by the lightning. And I was watching it and it, I could see the images, I could see everything, but I felt no judgment at all. And 
I didn't judge myself. So there was no judgment. It was just love and that's it. And it was over real quick, like fast forwarded movie, you know, very fast. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, that was quick and something is missing and I'm not sure what it is. And kind of, I asked my brothers and they kind of grinned and I thought, wow, you're playing the brother card here. You're not going to tell me what's going on. And at that point, I realized that God doesn't judge you. You judge yourself as you're watching your life review. And I didn't know I was supposed to be judging myself and I did not. And so it was just, over like that and it was um all I felt was love there was no judgment at all so it was it it was um very different than what I had been brought up to believe that you know God judges you and if you're bad you go down yeah (laughs) and if you're good you you go up and but that it wasn't like that at all and I that's what was missing because I that's what I thought was supposed to happen and it did not happen at least for me it did not happen right and it hasn't happened to anyone I know I know there are people that say they've you know had more hellish experiences. I don't know what to make of that. I don't think any of us do really. Um, but it's, it's interesting, but I think most people, and what I believe is, is, is that God isn't a judging angry God. God is just pure love. And you're only shown those things to help you, uh, process and, and evolve. And if you see something that it's sort of presented to you from what I understand, presented to you as no judgment, just look at it, just be aware. And uh, what can, you know, what could you have done better in that situation? This is how you hurt someone else. But for the most part, I've also heard they've been, people have been shown, but look at this beautiful thing you did. None of us are perfect. We all make poor choices in, in, within, because we have an inability to cope with stress or trauma or whatever, mental illness even. But it's beautiful to know that gosh, won't it feel great when we can actually experience what it's like to not beat ourselves up and to just be pure love because we spend our life. I don't know anyone who doesn't judge themselves or others or beat themselves up or have trouble forgiving themselves unless they're a sociopath. And I'm sure being a sociopath is no fun either. So it'll, it it actually gives so much hope to know that when this happens, it's really going to be a positive thing. Um, And I've heard what you mentioned about the colors that there are colors that they that that don't exist here and that always makes me boggles my mind because then I try to imagine it and go oh but you can't because you have no reference point so that's fascinating so after my um my life review my um brothers were walking with me and I heard this male voice say what you put out into the universe will come back to you and I I knew that was God's voice I didn't see God anywhere at that point but I heard his voice and and I just knew and it was like being hooked up to a giant ivy bottle and I was being infused with all of this divine wisdom this knowledge that I mean I didn't even know how to 
ask the questions, let alone know the answers. And it was like, bam, 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 all of these, this divine knowledge about who God is, what God is, how the universe comes together and all of that kind of, you know, questions people have always wanted to know. And I'm getting all of these, this aha moments. And I feel this amazing bliss. And I'm like, oh my God, you're so awesome. You're so cool. And I kept saying, you're so simple. And we human beings make you so complicated and you're not complicated at all. And I just kept saying that over and over. You're so awesome. God, you're so awesome. And then, um, so I'm, I'm getting all this infused knowledge and I'm walking all around and I'm looking at everything and I hear this music and this music was, it was like big music. You know, I don't know, I have, a, I have no words other than big music, lots of stringed instruments and bells and drums and just violins and cellos and horns and bells and just everything that you could possibly imagine, all of these big orchestra type music. And I, I didn't know where it was coming from. And I was looking around and I realized that it was vibrational sounds. Um, the leaves on the trees had a vibrational sound and the grass had a different sound. And the birds that were singing were, that was a different sound. And there was a stream that sparkled beautiful. It was beautiful and there were rocks in the stream. And the rocks had a different sound. They were like the boom, boom sound, the drum sound, and then the water that was the tinkling sound of the water. And it was, you take all these different vibrational sounds and put them together and you have this orchestra and choir and everything is singing praises to God. The birds, the trees, the leaves, the grass, the flowers, everything, even the colors had each had a different vibrational sound. And that was the music that I was hearing. And it was, it was the most magnificent orchestra and choir I have ever heard. And I, I keep trying to find music that sounds like it and it comes so close sometimes. But it, it, it was so beautiful, so beautiful. That's and amazing. so, <laughs> oh, it, it was, it was beyond me it was just beyond I there was so much to see you know I saw buildings and I you know like the outskirts this garden was like on the outskirts of this glorious city and I could see buildings and landscapes and and um, there was a field stone wall that had pink roses growing up and over it and it looked like um like a, a castle wall, you know, that, that kind of stone. And it was just, and it was just there. And, and I love pink roses, so I'm not sure why it was just there, but it was just there. Um, so I'm walking with my brothers and I'm seeing all of this and the houses on the, there was a house on the bluff and I looked below and there was this, um, it, it, it looked like ocean water and it was crashing up. The waves were crashing up on the rocks and the house was up, up high on the bluff. 
And then there was another house I saw that looked like it was an English garden type house. And it had beautiful rose gardens in the back backyard of the house. And then there were there were all kinds of other buildings that I saw. Um, there was like a, I call it the Hall of Knowledge, but I'm not sure that's what it's actually called. But it was like a, a huge library with books, millions of books. There were books <laughs> from, from the ceiling all the way to the floor. All, the whole building was books. And it was every subject you could possibly imagine was in there. And, um, I saw healing buildings like, with arches and, and columns and beautiful pools of healing water. And I saw a building that where children and babies go when they die. And there were people there. Um, I, I saw people and they were taking care of these little children of various sizes and ages and playing with them. And they were, they were running around, the children were running around and they were happy and, and laughing. And, you know, I, I didn't see, I saw lots of people, but I didn't see anybody old or sick or no wheelchairs, no nothing like that. Um, so as we're walking around and I'm seeing all this stuff, there's a grove of trees, like off a little ways and on my right side as I'm walking. And um, I see Jesus coming out of the grove of trees and he walk, walks over to me and he says, I love you. I'm with you. Remember that, don't be afraid. And well, I didn't, at the time I didn't realize <laughs> that that man was coming back. You know, that went right over my head, but you know, whenever he is around or whenever I saw him and he looked exactly the same as he did when I was 15. And so I knew who he was only this time he was wearing a robe, you know, and, but when I saw him in the church, he was wearing regular clothes. So, but he looked exactly the same. And when he said that to me, I, I didn't realize it kind of went over my head that, you know, you're going to be coming back. So don't be afraid. And I'm with you, <laughs> but so when he said that to me, he walked with me over to my brothers disappeared at that point. I don't know where they went. Um, he walked with me over to this wooded glen and there was a log and I sat down on the log and there was a man sitting on the other end of the log, but Jesus walks away. So there's these two, I'm sitting there and this man and He's leaning over, he's in a robe too, and only his hair was short, dark, and kind of curly, and he had a beard, and the bluest eyes I ever saw. Jesus had very long hair, very long hair, wavy hair. Um, it was also dark, but it wasn't curly. It was wavy and long, and um, he had um, dark olive complexion, brown eyes. Um, he had a close cut beard and dimples when he smiled. So this other man, I recognized as God and he looked very much 
like Jesus, but an old, he was, he was an older version, I guess, of Jesus. I don't know, but he had, I knew it. I knew he was God. I knew that there was a difference between this was God and this was Jesus. And, um, he started talking to me and he asked me after we chit chatted for a few minutes and he asked me, what would you do if it was just me and you? And I was like, what, what, what are you talking? I didn't understand at all what he was talking about. And he said, but again, what would you do if it was just me and you? I still didn't get it. So he said, well, come with me. So we got up and we walked further into the wooded land and he, um, he kind of waved his hand. You know, we came to a clearing and he waved his hand and he opened up the sky kind of, and I could see spinning planets and sparkling stars and rainbow colored gases. And, but there was nothing else in it. It was just all that. There were no trees, no, cars, no houses, no people, no animals, nothing. It was just all that. And so I looked at God and I said, with all of this and just me and you, I don't think so because you would be sick and tired of me after the first 10 minutes and you would not like me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was just huge. And so he threw his head back and he laughed. And when he laughed, his eyes just sparkled like diamonds. He was so beautiful. And that laughter was so contagious that I started laughing. And I thought, well, that was the dumbest thing to anybody could say to God, you know? <laughs> no. Well, so you kept your sense of humor when you say we're still who we are when we're in spirit. You still have your personality. You still have your sense of humor. You do. And you that's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and I even, uh, my brothers were the ones that had to tell me I died because I didn't even know at that point, yeah. you know, at the beginning of, uh, that I had died. And I looked down the front of me to see if I still had a body and I still had a body. Mm-hmm. I could see my hair down the front. I could see my feet, my clothes. I could feel, I could touch, I could smell, I could see, but really far distance as yeah. I could see. Um, but I still thought like me, I still felt like me. I looked like me only a much better version of me. And it was, I was like, uh, I can handle this. You know, this is what this, if I'm dead, I still have a body and I'm still me. And it, it, that was a huge reality. And then, so when I was talking to God and, and I said that, and I know it sounded really stupid, but, and he laughed and I laughed. So yeah, you, you still have your sense of humor and, and, and he has a wonderful sense of humor. And so he took me back to the, to, we went back to the log and he asked me for a third time, what would you do if it was just me and you? No parents, no children, no husband, no friends, nobody, just me and you. And I still didn't quite know how to answer that question because I never thought about that before. And so, and I said something and I don't know why I said this because I've never read this particular book before. I don't know anything about this tradition or this religious 
you know, whatever this is. Um, but I said, God, your hundredth name in the book of the Quran is God is everywhere. God is nowhere. And God is in me. And he grinned at me and he said, yeah, that's right. And then, so I'm, I'm, as I'm saying that, I'm looking at this beautiful oak tree that's in front of me, this huge, huge oak tree. And I could see the detail of the bark and the, the um, leaves and the little veins and the, the things moving through the veins. And I could see the roots beneath the ground and how they pull the nutrients up and it, the nutrients go into the leaves and the leaves clean the air and we breathe the air. So one thing is, can everything is connected, you know? And that was, that was big, you know, to see the, everything is connected yeah. and depends upon everything else. And then, um, so I looked, as I was looking at this tree, I, I looked back at God and I said, God, you made this tree. You are in this tree. So when I see this tree, I see you. He said, yeah, that's right. And, and so I started thinking about my, my mom and my dad. And I said, you made my mom and my dad. You're in my mom and my dad. So when I see my mom and dad, I see you. And he said, yes, that's right. And... I was like, oh my gosh. And so um, I started thinking about my children and I said the same thing about them. And then I started, for some reason, I thought about people who had been cruel to me. Um, and I, it, it hurt. And I said, God, you made these people. You're in these people. So when I see these people, I see you. And he said, yes, that's right. He said, now, I want to ask you something. I said, okay. He said, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? And my normal answer would have been not much, but that's not what you say to God, you know? So I said, um, when I look at the mirror, uh, you made me, you're in me. So when I look in the mirror, I see you. And he said, yes, that's right. And he was really, really happy about that answer. Um, and so I felt like I was a little girl and I'd just gotten an A on a test, you know, <laughs> and I was really happy about it. But what, what he was really trying to tell me was because uh, my whole adult life, people were, had told me, you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid, you can't do anything right. And I was buying into it and believing that that was the case. And God was telling me, I don't make mistakes. I don't make junk. You have a purpose to be here. I made you for a reason and you are not a mistake. And he, he I felt so loved and so accepted at that point. I, I, I can't even explain it was so deep and so, you know the, for me that was just a huge huge thing for him to to do and, and to, to tell me yeah because I was listening to the world and the world was lying to me that's and, such an important message I just want to hang on that for a second because I think it's so normal that we get away from spiritual matters in God and our true selves and our, the true nature of ourselves. And it's so easy to get, I think everyone does it. We, we get 
a bit dependent on what other people think or say. And I know, and I think we all go through it. It's just being human. And I know as a little kid, I had a large birthmark on my face and little kids told me I was ugly. And that they were two and three. They didn't know better. You know, they were just being honest. They, they didn't know what it was and they didn't understand. I felt ugly my whole life until probably, I don't know, I don't even want to say a few years ago, but too recently, you know, that I had to go through all this sort of deprogramming to really get to a place where halfway through my life now I'm like, oh, I truly love myself, truly, you know, think I'm beautiful, not because I'm a supermodel, but because of the soul that I am. And because I understand now that I am part of God, you are part of God. We are all one and we are all beautiful. It's not about what we look like. And it's, you know, it, but that's a whole other tangent, but I think it's so, so wonderful that you understood that and that you're spreading that message as well, because I think we just get so lost and society tells us we have to look a certain way. We're not good enough. We have, we're not successful enough. We're enough just by virtue of being part of God. Exactly. Beauty, what, what he was teaching me too was that beauty is what's in here. It's not what's out here. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't see us the way the world sees us. And he loves us just the way we are. Yeah. I mean, he created us this way. The other thing that I, I learned was that this, this, what you see here is not sharing. This, what you see here is just the shell. This is my physical body. My, like a car gets your body from one place to another. Your body gets your spirit. You are a soul that has a spirit that animates your body. Yeah. And when your body dies, your soul and your spirit, which is what keeps your body alive and holds the memories and holds your thoughts and your dreams and your values and all of that stuff that lives on, that goes to heaven or wherever that goes to heaven where, where from my understanding you know from where i went it was heaven and but this physical body is is only the vehicle that gets you around gets your spirit your soul around on this earth as long as we're here mm -hmm. it's not who you are it's it's what's in here is the, is what's important and right. People do make too much of well, I'm bad, I'm ugly, I'm stupid, you know. Yeah. That and kind we of all stuff. do it, especially women. And it's yes. <laughs> I understand it. I've been there. I struck, you know, as when I was young, I struggled with body dysmorphia and all of it and starving myself to try to it it's it's a control issue, but it's all this trying to manipulate and control when we aren't in control. And that's the grasping to the material and the grasping to having control. And so um, I know a lot of people will say, oh, I wish I could have that experience. I know near-death experiencers will say, you don't want to have a near-death experience. It's traumatic. It but, is. Um, and, and just in the interest of time, I know we could go, I love how detailed this is. I really, that's the stuff that 
I know I want to hear. And I know that's what a lot of other people want to hear too. Um, yeah, if you can sort of, um, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of how, well, keep going. Cause I don't, I want to hear the journey of this. And I know you've had other experiences, um, but in the interest of time, we'll just kind of, I'd love to know sort of how this came to a conclusion, how it was that you returned to your body. Um, and then I'd love to talk to you about how that um, changed your perceptions and um, also address, was it difficult for you coming back? Oh, it was very hard. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I, um, so after the conversation with God, uh, there were two angels, uh, beautiful, beautiful women. Uh, they were wearing these beautiful ornate gowns and no, they didn't have wings and they weren't flying in the sky, but I knew them to be angels and they took me to this beautiful lake and it was like looking into glass. It was so calm. And I looked into the water and I could see the earth below and it was like close up. I could see close up different scenarios taking place different things you know future world events that are happening right now um we're talking about the like the isis thing and the the you know tsunamis and the big storms and there were um riots and and uh people um, um martial law i saw martial law you know that kind of stuff but what I was given to understand is that these things do not have to take place, that we have the power as a human family to stop these things from happening. And it's, it's, it's our human uh, collective selfishness that, that causes these bad things to happen, that God has a certain order of doing things. And when we step out of that order and we try to do it ourselves, that, and, and we are selfish um, because selfishness is the opposite of love. It's not hate. Hate is born out of selfishness. And um, it, it, that's what causes these bad things to happen. And we have the choice to either change it or not. And so basically that's what I saw. And then um, after that, I was back in my body. It, it was, um, I, if there was a conversation that I was to come back, I don't remember that. And it probably wasn't good. I probably threw a fit and <laughs> acted like a child <laughs> because I really wanted to stay. I didn't want to come back. Um, the coming back to my body, it was like, the most painful thing I felt that burning that searing um and I have a right bundle branch block in my heart <clears throat> because of the lightning and I have seizures so it was um it's been difficult coming back uh, and let being me, here yeah let me ask you that sounds terribly traumatic did you spontaneously your heart started beating again, or did someone find you? Were you alone no. when you came to? I was alone um, when I came to. And um, when I did get medical attention, and I did, 
get medical attention. Um, they had ran all of the, you know, the cardiac tests and the, the uh, neurologist tests or whatever. And, you know, I have medical documentation of it happening. And there were black char marks on the concrete steps. I, I could see them. You could see where, where, where I was sitting and where my feet were. And the stairs were all charred. And the phone that I was talking on was clear across the other end of the yard and was burnt to a crisp. It was just charred. Um, so it was, uh, when I came to, I actually had to get myself up off the ground and crawl up the stairs. <laughs> Crawling up those stairs, it seemed like it took forever because I was, it was a, I was in such agony. Um, so it, it was very, um, I don't know, very traumatic. Yeah. Going from that place of bliss and peace and love and coming back to such pain. Um, and did you remember it, it instantly? Or was it, were you just busy processing and getting yourself help? Did you immediately know what had just happened? I never forgot any, I have never forgot any details. I mean, it's, it's as fresh in my memory right now as it was at the time that it happened. And I'm sure that I was, I, I was probably only dead for a couple of minutes, but it seemed like I was there for weeks. It, even listening to it, it feels like, I mean, I'm a, I'm, my favorite thing in the world is to travel and sightsee and see new things as you're telling me this you're pulling me in because i'm thinking oh my god i'm gonna love it so much because i am that wide-eyed oh look at this look at this oh my god it's like and i have very vivid dreams that are like that where i'm just everything is new and i'm always in my dreams in some country and there's these magnificent landscapes and so i'm actually i'm i love my life but i i'm not dreading i, I want to stay here for a lot longer but i can't wait to go on that vacation. So I, it sounds to me like it was in, there is no time there. Right. So it, right. It just, yeah. it's like one big adventure that you're having, but really in this world, it's only a few minutes. Yeah. They, this is the only place where we have time as we know it clocks, tick, yeah. minutes, hours, seconds, whatever, but there, um, there is no time. And I did feel like I was there for weeks and there was so much happening and so much to see and so much to feel and smell and taste and touch. And, and all of my, my senses were so extremely heightened. So I still had the five senses only much more than what I could ever experience here. And so I didn't experience dissolving into nothing. Right. And that was not my experience at all. And right. I saw many, many people and they were all beautiful and healthy and strong and happy. And there was food. <laughs> there was oh, good. <laughs> I always have this dream where there's, I know I'm dreaming and I'm like, I can eat anything I want. And so I imagine all of these cupcakes. I don't know why I pick cupcakes. I'm not really necessarily a cupcake fan, but I don't eat sugar in real life. So in the dream, I'm 
like just going into bakeries and grabbing all the baked goods and eating them. And I, I hope it's like that because that would be fun. Well, I, I always tease my grandchildren and tell them that it's pizza parlor and ice cream shops on every corner and Great. you don't gain any weight. <laughs> don't have to worry about any of your health issues. That's fantastic. <laughs> exactly. So when you come back and you're settling back into, you've been treated in the hospital, um, have you told your med the medical staff? Have you told anyone in your family what happened? How are you processing the information that you've just received and the experience you've just been through? I did. Um, well, when I came back, I was in what I called the pink bubble. And I didn't know what else to call it because everything had this pinkish glow. And I could see, like if you hold a flower, I could see the, this glow, this, this, I don't know, I call it aura because I don't know what else to call it. Mm -hmm. But it, it was, uh, there was this egg shaped, the life force. I could see this, the life force of every living thing, whether it was a leaf, um, whether it was um, an animal or a blade of grass, you know, I, so it was, it was this oneness with God. I felt this oneness with God and I could see things that I could never see before, you know, like that aura around people and animals and flowers. And did you also find that your perception was heightened in terms of sixth, sixth sense? I can never say that word, that phrase. Um, did you also have a knowing, um, claircognizance, that sort of thing? Were you able to read energies and know things that other mm -hmm. people couldn't. Well, I, I saw colors around people and I could tell um, people who've had um, like spiritual experiences or, or, or were close to God, they had these sparkles, mm -hmm. looked like silver glitter around them. And then there were other colors that I would see. And I, I knew what those colors meant, you know, um, um, and there were times when I saw colors that were not so pretty and I knew what that meant. And it was just, I just knew, um, um, people who were, uh, you know, on drugs or mentally ill or maybe into things they sh shouldn't and maybe had something attached to them or something you know yeah. I could tell because it, it, I would see a dark color around them and I remember when I first came back and I, I went into Walmart to go to the grocery store and it was like the colors the lights the people it was all way too much I couldn't handle it because I was picking up everybody's feelings and their thoughts. And it was like, I'm getting out of the store right now. And I don't care if we starve. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Has it that, sorry, I was just going to ask, has that sort of um, dimmed since then? Or have you learned to set a boundary with spirit? I've learned to set boundaries. I, I did not have anyone to really teach me anything. I had to learn as I went. And finally I, I did, I put, I, I put up boundaries. I said, this is, this is as far as you go. Yeah. And no further. That's it. Right. 
And um, I don't want to ignore the fact that you had two other near-death experiences. Do you want to touch on that and just kind of explain how those came to pass? Um, yeah, I, um, the third one, um, oh, it was from emergency surgery. I had about I had a bowel blockage and I died um, during the surgery from um, something happened to the breathing tube and I asphyxiated or aspirated. That's the word aspirated. How many years later was that after the second one? Um, that was in, um, 2016. Okay. And then 2017, I had the fourth one and I had an adverse reaction to seizure medicine and I, uh, died from something called respiratory acidosis. Mm -hmm. So that, and, um, with the third experience, I was back in heaven again and I saw all the landmarks. It's all the same all the things same. I saw. That was yeah, my question it, is, were you like, I'm back? And then, yep. <laughs> and then I sent you back again. And were you upset about that? I was very upset and I never told anybody. And um, when I, a after the fourth one, I thought, you kicked me out of heaven four times. Why? What is the deal? Right. And I cried about it a lot, but I didn't talk about it. I was, it was the same situation as when I was a little girl and I was going to commit suicide and I didn't talk about it. Didn't tell anybody. Yeah. And Jesus showed up. So after, after my second near-death experience, people thought I was crazy because I was walking three feet off the air, off the ground. I was glowing. I mean, you can't be in the presence of God and not be glowing. Yeah. I was glowing and I loved everything and everyone. You couldn't hurt me if you tried. And it was, I, like I said, I was seeing far distances. I was experiencing flowers opening up. I could hear the electricity humming in the air. It was, it, it, I mean, it was just everything. I was still, my senses were so heightened and aware. And people thought I was just nutcase when I tried to tell them about what happened. Um, and finally, you know, people believe me now, but back then, I mean, I'd never heard of a near-death experience. Nobody mm -hmm. told me there was even a name for what I was going through and had gone through. So now it's, it's more easy. People understand it better now. And when I, uh, I did tell my, my husband, the man I'm married to now, what happened after my, um, third and fourth, and he believed every word. And so there wasn't that same, um, I guess, dynamic or, or, um, disbelief and you're crazy and, and that kind of thing. I didn't have that with my third and my fourth, but I did, you know, with my second, people thought I was a nut job and, and I wasn't, I mean, it was, it was all real and, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to, I'm actually surprised when I started this podcast, I thought, I'm sure there are a lot going to be a lot of people who are going to judge and think I'm nuts or I've lost my marbles. Um, now I've come mm -hmm. out and said, I'm a medium. And I didn't know this until later in life. And I'm sure there are people that are like, okay, not sure what's going on there. Um, it's not 
maybe as out there as saying I had a near-death experience, but I've been very fortunate that most people have been, in fact, everyone, and no one has said anything to my face about it. But I can imagine if I were going around saying, I met God and I saw Jesus and they'd go, have you, are, is there mental, is there something happening with you mentally? So it is hard. Um, how did you find that there were others like you? How did you find out that you weren't crazy, that you already knew you weren't crazy, but how did you find out um, that, how did you find that validation by um, finding out that near-death experiences are a thing? Well, after the second one, uh, um, the lady I was talking to on the phone with when I got hit by the lightning, she was a Native American medicine person. And she, <laughs> I was on the phone with her when the lightning hit. So it was a couple weeks later before I could actually talk. You know, I, I couldn't even, you know, it took yeah. me a couple weeks and finally she called me and are you okay you know and I was like you would not believe what I just went through and I told her she and she actually told me she was the one who had to tell me about a near-death experience because I had never heard I did not know what yeah. even though I had experienced it at 13 and had seen angels and spirits and all kinds of things I did not know that it had a name at right. all yeah, I think so now she, more people do do know. It's been more publicized. There are documentaries coming out. Um, right. and I think there's more acceptance, thankfully, and or or people just don't believe it, and that's absolutely fine. Um, it's their own path, and you know, none of us are going to know 100% until we're actually dead. <laughs> what happens way. after that? I mean, you know, um, so. What is it that now? How in your in your ministry now is it that you're able to? reach people is it um what what kind of work do you do that helps you spread the word well i i i have written a book um i have a children's book um and i do lots of these kinds yes. of talks and so i'm thanking you for that um but people will contact me and call me. Um, I, I will talk to anyone and uh, they contact me That's on great. Facebook or anywhere. Um, I have WordPress um, that has the same things on it that, you know, Facebook. And um, if, if they want to talk about anything, their fears or experiences, or they have questions or or just anything you know if they need prayers or if they um lost a family member you know anything um it's i'm there you know i'm there too that's wonderful i'm sure it's it can be overwhelming at times but it's wonderful that you are of service in that way and i will put links below but i would can you tell us the names of your books please um, the children's book is called A Rose from Heaven, and the other book is called A Song in the Wind, A Near-Death Experience, and you can get them both on Amazon. There's also a poetry book out there, um, and it's um, called The Whispers in the Wind, A Spiritual uh, Poetic Journey of the Soul. Sorry. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's really Thank you. beautiful. And what is... If you had to tell people one thing that you wish people knew as they go through this life, I know we've touched on quite a few things, 
what would you want people to know? There's a couple of things that are very important. And the first thing is it's the little things that you do that mean so much. That's what you're going to see in your life review. It's not the big things. It's the little things. And if sharing your sweater, smiling at someone, touching someone's shoulder who's crying, just you know, those are little things that are so monumental. They're huge, huge. And it's not about talking to a thousand people in an amphitheater or giving $10 million or anything like that. It, that's nice and that's helpful, but it's the little things that you do that mean more. And um, the other thing is that if we knew how much God loved us, we, there wouldn't be any sadness in this world because he loves each one of us so, so much. And he thinks about us every single moment of every single day. And if you stop and think about being in the divine mind of God 24-7, you have to know how much you are loved. And each one of us are loved that way. And if he stopped thinking about us for one second, we would just, poof, we would not be. And that's how much love there is. And it, it, it's not about what we do or how much money we make or anything like that. It's, he just loves us and we don't have to do anything to earn that love. It's just there. And it's, it's, it's so huge. <laughs> that so is huge. so huge. It is. It's, it's not our accomplishments. It's how we love. It's how we are love and we embody love and we receive love too. I think we often forget that, how worthy we are. Mm -hmm. I just got such big chills. Sharon, that is, I, I just, I just got even bigger chills right now. Sharon, thank you so much. You have so much wisdom to share and I hate to even cut you off because I know you have so much more in you and, but I want people to read your book anyway. So um, oh, I, <laughs> I really thank you so much for sharing your story, your experience and for knowing, you know, I, this is a smaller channel so far. Um, I'm manifesting it becoming a big channel. And that's not because I'm asking, I want it for my own um, accolades. I want this to be a bigger message and I want there to be more hope out there. I hope that there's healing. And um, so I just want to thank you so much for showing up, knowing well, that, for yeah, thank you. It's, it's, I know there are people that have thousands of followers and this is still a little startup, but the fact is if you touch one person and you will touch more than that because there are people listening that I know you're going to make such a, whose lives you're going to impact just by showing up. So um, I just really want to thank you again for being here.